1: for one for podcasting live from the draft king sportsbook and wild rose studio this is des moines sports station 1460 kxno and now on 106.3 fm the psas you hear on miller and condon and iHeart media des moines are presented in part by nick mick we take care of our own now here's miller and condon
0: two. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Take you up until noon. Toward the bottom of the hour, John Bowenkamp Camp from HawkeyeNation.com. Hawks have held their virtual media day. Those three-day events are over. No, the coaches today. Yes,
2: yeah, still another day to go. All right,
0: still one more day left. Well, right now we're going to talk Texas Tech football with our friend Chris Level from Red Raiders Sports. He's the sideline reporter, football color analyst for basketball, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Jack Trice, 2.30 on Saturday. Saturday. Saturday afternoon, ABC has, of course, the game airs down the hall here on 100.3 The Bus. Chris Level, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, great to talk to you again, Chris. How have you been?
3: I'm doing good, man. Big Big Ten Media Day type stuff in mid-October. That's
0: uh, that's (laughs) Pete, isn't it? It really is weird, man. It's uh, No doubt about it. Uh, so, Chris, before we get into this game, I want to pick your brain on, a, obviously, we need a Bowman update uh, off the ankle, but you've seen Texas, that just gut-wrenching, unbelievable, I can't explain it, loss, when it seemed like Texas Tech was about to pick off the Longhorns. And then, uh, K-State always has Iowa State's number. There's a lot of excitement around this clones program, knowing that they've beaten TCU and Oklahoma uh, already this year. So, help me out with those to Texas Tech or Texas looks as though they struggled on defense and I don't know what to make out of K-State of course Thompson went down in that game
3: yeah I, I think it's it's much like the rest of the teams in this league there, there, there's some good teams there's some teams that could emerge everybody's flawed everybody has got you know some issues I think you know Kansas State who we just saw and obviously the bulk of, of that game was played without Skyler Thompson but I mean, they're just not going to beat themselves. And, you know, they, they, they don't, they're they not going to make, uh, you know, too many mistakes. They're not super explosive. Uh, if if you can contain Deuce Vaughn, but the Red Raiders just let him get out just a few times, and that was especially the end of the game. That was kind of the difference, and they just don't, you know, you had a couple of missed field goals, and then I got a punt block, and that was kind of the difference. I mean, you led that game 21-17 with 11 to go and just couldn't hold on, much like the week before versus Texas. Yeah, I mean Texas is they they're they're what they usually are they're, they they can beat anybody and probably beat anybody soundly but they have got some some issues they're not you know they don't have the playmakers on defense like we're used to seeing like the draft pick type guys in the secondary or up front and you you can yeah you you can you can hit them with some explosives and you can you know you can score on them you know they just they can't turn it over. And it's not Ellinger's fault that, you know, Keontae Ingram, you know, fumbled the ball on the two yard line, but he's kind of getting the blame for, you know, it's, that just kind of comes with the position of of being quarterback, Um, you know, Tom Herman and and, and Ellinger, I mean, people, there was high expectations, but I, I, I just think at this point, you know, there could be somebody emerge here, you know, but right now everybody's kind of got some flaws and, Probably a lot of that has to do with the off season and, and and all the chaos. But I mean, the special teams craziness we've we've seen in all games that in multiple huge special teams plays. I guess that's part of uh, the, the wacky mm-hmm. off season. Take, taking guys out of practices for weeks at a time because of you know con, contact tracing and and you know positive tests, and all that kind of stuff has certainly spilled over. So it's just. In some ways, it's kind of fun. In other ways, it's just kind of maddening trying to make sense of all this. But I think we're going to continue to get, you know, interesting results and surprising performances week in and week out here.
2: Another season, unfortunately another injury for Alan Bowman. This is a guy that just has not been able to catch a break, at least on that front. What's the latest on him? And if he's not able to go, tell us a little bit more about the backup who played last week. Henry Columbia came in with Matt Wells from Utah State. What you've seen out of him and how different the offense will be if he is running the controls.
3: Yeah, you know, th- this is a sprained ankle, is all it is. I don't even think it's a high ankle sprain. I mean, he he could be back Saturday. I, you know, I, that's not going to surprise me a bit. I don't know exactly what that will look like if he's able to protect himself. as well, that that'll be ultimately the decision that they have to make. Okay, you- well, while you while well, you may be okay, can you protect yourself and can you put us in a position uh, to where we can run our offense? Uh, but, I mean, you know, and then there's obviously a bye week next week. So, thankfully, this is not some long-term or even a high ankle sprain. This is just a situation where it was kind of a low hit, uh, obviously a flag on, on the K-State defender and, and, and all that. But you're right. It's like Allen just can't seem to catch a break and, and stay healthy. You know, H- Henry Columbia, I, I think he's somebody that's technically got more reps and experience in this particular offensive system than, than anybody on campus, mm. including Allen Bowman after playing at Utah State under Coach Yost a couple of years ago. You know, he started 14 games uh, in his college career. Uh, so, you know, he's a lot more mobile. Yep. And so I think the Tech fans liked, liked what they saw there uh, last week. And I don't think he's got necessarily the, the arm or, you know, or anything like that that Allen does. But I think the the, the mobility there was certainly added a different dimension so either way, and an offense isn't going to change much. They're going to be tempo. They're going to be you know a lot of RPO stuff, uh, you know things like that. And and they're, they want to be you know balanced like like Iowa State is right now. Obviously, Iowa State's kind of leading the at the head of the class as far as you know the the balanced as far as their offense goes with Brees Hall and then obviously Purdy and Kolar and all those guys, but. Um, yeah, so I I just think the biggest difference is mobility with with uh, Henry Columbia because he he looks to try to you know run it and that's Al Allen's looking to beat you with his arm whereas Columbia can can try to do that a little bit of both he just doesn't have quite the strong strong arm that Bowman
0: does. Mm. Uh, Chris Level is our guest, RedRaidersSports.com, and the sideline analyst for Texas Tech football. Well, Sherrodrick Thompson really burst onto the scene last year. He got in the end zone a bunch. Off to a good start uh, again this year. So both teams are going to bring a running game to this football game. You mentioned Brees Hall, who's been terrific uh, so far this year for Iowa State. But Thompson, in his own right, uh, this is a kid that's got a whole lot of ability.
3: He's really good. He's a you know, I, I I was kind of surprised that last week. I mean, he didn't really do as much as we were used to seeing because Xavier White kind of emerged and had a big day. It had a long run, it scored a touchdown. But yeah, Sir Rodrick come in came into the year and there was a lot of expectations. I still, I still think he's somewhat of an unknown. He's only just a sophomore, uh, but I mean he he can he can catch it. He's a good and pass pro, and then obviously he gets he gets some of those tough yards. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think they really like their, their running back, and, and I would say plural uh, right now, which was, a you know, Xavier White's actually a converted uh, inside receiver that they made that move back in the spring as they were concerned about some depth. And behind them, they've got a true freshman. They've got an Alabama transfer named Shadarius Townsend. But yeah, Sir so Rodrick is, I mean, I don't know if he's your best, but, but maybe kind of the, you know, the upper tier of, of what you've got on your football team as far as, you know, explosiveness and, and, and an answer in a particular position. I mean, yeah, Coach Wells likes, I mean, and I did his coach's show last night and Sir Roderick, you know, we were talking about Brees Hall and, and obviously uh, he, he said, you know, Hey, Brees Hall and, and Chuba Hubbard clearly, you know, t- top end of the, of the league as far as running back. He goes, but I'm not trading my guy for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got Sir Roderick kind of right there with those other two, which is very high praise.
2: Texas Tech had won 11 of the first 14 meetings between the two teams until Matt Campbell got there. They've run off four consecutive year one, the 66-10 win against Patrick Mahomes. that I know excites Cyclone fans every time they mention that uh, game in the lore of Iowa State football. This has been a hurdle, though, that Texas Tech has not been over to come. Any frustration starting to build inside the fan base? Boy, how can't we beat Iowa State?
3: then well, it's it's to answer your question yes and no it's not it's not about Iowa State as much as you know right I mean guys you you've lost I mean you you can't beat anybody right now that, that's the problem yeah. I and mean, it's not it's a Kansas State problem it's an Iowa State problem it's a a Texas problem and just on and on it goes I mean you've lost 14 of your last 16 big 12 games guys mm. I mean this is there's a reason there was a coaching change there's a reason that it's taking some time for, for Matt Wells to try to, to get this thing turned around. And, and, and it's like maximum level of frustration from the standpoint of, you're really close, but, but it's the same story. I mean, you are extremely competitive. You're not – there's been a few lopsided losses here, but it, it's been one-score losses. I mean, a lot, last week is, is the same thing. I mean, even though it shows on the scoreboard a 10-point game, I mean, that's a one-score game. You know, with with two or three minutes left, and it's a game that you led, you know, with 11 minutes to go in the game by four points. But it's the same thing. You just continue to figure out ways to to lose games and to, to, you know, I don't know whether it's give it away or the other team just is making a play that you can't. Uh, You know, it's like the same kind of storyline here uh, in the last year and a half, really, since Matt took over. Uh, They'll they'll, they'll fight you. They'll they'll compete. They, They are explosive. They've got really good players. They just can't figure out ways to, to win games, and it's it's just maddening right now to, to the fan base here. There's no doubt.
0: I have one more, Chris, and then I want to pick your brain on the Red River shootout, which certainly doesn't seem to have the luster, uh, the cachet behind it this year, but we're certainly hoping it's a good football game. You know, after watching the Texas uh, the Texas game and and seemingly, I mean, I saw Pat Mahomes tweet. He thought the game when Patrick, pardon, Mrs. Mahomes. Uh, he saw the tweet uh, that that he put out. It seemed like he thought the everybody thought it was going uh, the Red Raiders way. Did that linger at all during the will the the build up to the K State game? Did the Texas game beat them twice? I know that they had the lead, so it's not like that they were lethargic the entire game. But they it had to affect them, or did it? You know, I,
3: I, that, that was obviously a huge storyline in here that week, and I talked to Matt about that quite a bit, you know, and, and he said all the right things. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think it, it, it did. This, there, there's a lot of new pieces on this team, which has made the offseason tricky because you were trying to incorporate, I mean, guys, since March, they've probably added, Eight to twelve, like grad transfer type players into their program. They're all playing prominent roles. I and mean, then we we've got an LSU guy, we got an Alabama guy, we got a Utah State guy that we talked about at the quarterback position. You got a Wofford guy playing offensive tackle for you. You've got an A and M guy that's playing, uh, you know, defensive end for you. You've got a Michigan State guy. I mean, on and on and go. I mean, there there's so many older new pieces. So I think that probably helped them. Get, get over it rather quickly And that, that there's not a lot of history here with a lot of those guys that they're, they're here ready to play ball. I mean, one of your best defensive players is Colin schooler who just showed up in mid to late August out of Arizona when the Pac-12 <laughs> shut it down. I mean, it, so it's just, and he, he's playing uh, outside linebacker for you and playing a very prominent role. So it's just all those kinds of things. I mean, because those kinds of things aren't the reason why you missed a couple of chip shot field goals, right. you know, and that, that's kind of what, what changed the game last week uh, there in Manhattan. If those field goals go in, and you you don't have empty red zone opportunities, the game is played differently from that point. You you don't go into the locker room down fourteen to nothing, uh, you know st- stuff like that. So I I can see why you'd ask that, and I trust me, I had the same questions. I don't necessarily think it, it did, but I do think though there is a level of when we get into a close game at the end that here we go again when something bad happens i do think there's a level of that it's not about texas as much as it is that game along with all the ones last year and then the kansas state's going to be another layer of that and so it just seems to be kind of the same theme around here unfortunately until they get over the hump that's going to be the storyline
2: quick uh hoops question for you just taking a look uh, forward and However, this turns out to be, we know we'll get some December Big 12 basketball games. Looks like a pretty good uh, team coming for Texas Tech. They lose Ramsey off early. Mariotti's going to take an opportunity to play overseas, but really good recruiting class coming in, three of the top six scorers back. What are the expectations for Texas Tech and Coach Beard?
3: Yeah, they're loaded. Mm. Um, I, I think that there's that this is quickly becoming a, a basketball town um, <laughs> to where... That that you know, I do a show three hours every day in the afternoon, and that's what the bulk of the conversation wants to revolve around. Yeah, they're wow. I mean, they're 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 probably deeper and more talented than they were the final four year, at least going into the year. That the chemistry for that team was unbelievable. They only played eight guys. Beard's biggest challenge this time will be: do we have enough time to sort through our chemistry and our rotation and all those things? Because you're going to play fewer games, but. You know they've got Mac McClung, the Georgetown transfer. They've got Marcus Santos Silva, the Wichita excuse me, the the Virginia Commonwealth transfer. You've got uh, a UNLV transfer that sat out last year. All those guys will factor in prominently to, to add to the returners that were big time. And then you, you add a McDonald's All American in your recruiting class. I mean, so <laughs> and and Beard and Adams are really good at this, like getting results really quickly and kind of a lot of roster turnover. Year to year, but I mean, this is kind of who, what they are and, and, and who, who, you know, what they've become. So, yeah, I think top 15, uh, you know, Big 12 championship or busted are the expectations here. And if you, if you do that, you know, then obviously you, you can write your ticket. But I mean, as, as far as the NCAA tournament, but yeah, there's a, High level of expectation uh, for, for this basketball program this year,
0: uh, Chris. Level last thing for you, Chris. Appreciate it as always. Give me 30 seconds on the Red River shootout. I mean, Oklahoma yet to win a game in the Big 12 after uh, they're starting 0 and 2. Texas one and one, getting beat by TCU. Texas Tech had them. Not a lot of a uh, lot a lot of buzz for the shootout this year. Of course, no fans in the stands. Do you have an opinion on this game?
3: yeah i mean i this is to me this game is about oklahoma i mean i I think they're they're, they run the risk of losing what three in a row and being somewhat eliminated from the big 12 conference championship race before the thing even gets started um and and that's not territory that those folks are used to at all not saying they can't get back and win out and and be second in the league or whatever and play for a championship but i mean you start out 0-3 in the league and that's that's just unheard of, at least from what we are familiar with, as far as Oklahoma and the Big Twelve Conference. I mean, you're going back to the John Blake era, you know. And and if Texas doesn't get the doesn't get it done, I mean the, the Tom Herman seat is going to be scorching hot, right, wrong, or indifferent. I mean it, that that's just the way. Because I mean they, they they thought playoffs, they thought conference championships, senior quarterback, fourth year of the program for for Tom Herman or, or tenure, and it's just you know you you start having back to back losses, and it's not what anybody thought so that that's the fascinating part to me it's not about what's at stake it, like national championship race it's about what's at stake and the loser is just somewhat buried here um and and a lot lot of different conversations come to come from that that no one anticipated so yeah fascinated to see the result for sure
0: chris level red radio sports sideline reporter football analyst during uh, basketball for the radio production chris as always good to catch up with you thank you chris level
3: Hey, thanks, boys. I appreciate you guys having me on, and you
0: guys have a good rest of the week. Yeah, you do the same. Thank you. Chris Level, uh joining us from Lubbock. Uh, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword money to 200200 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's money to 200200. 200.
1: You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest.
0: So, do you think this Iowa State Texas Tech game is closer than the point spread says it is? Yes, I do too. I don't think I think Iowa
2: State wins. Yes, but I think it's um, 38-31. Yeah,
0: I could see that. That's 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 good.
2: Thirty four twenty seven. I think it's a, In a that touchdown game. They win you. it. They probably control it, but just a touch tighter. That twelve point number is kind of a weird one too. Did you get the sense listening to Chris that uh, that Bowman's not going to answer the bell on? I think so. I, yeah. I'm the same way. That's. It doesn't sound significant with this bye week afterwards, mm-hmm. with Columbia, who is at the very least an adequate backup. No, and he can run it. It's, yeah, and as Chris said, I mean Bowman, he's not going to run. Right? No, not at all. I mean, he'd get hurt if he runs three straight years. It's unreal. Three straight. How many? I wonder how many games he's actually played in. Because he was lost for the season the last two. Can I miss this one? I, I don't know. They're just some of those guys, right? That are just yep. continually banged up. You're going to be able to move the football against Texas Tech, but they're going to move the football against you. Iowa State has dominated the series, the big win in year one of Campbell, which still looking back upon that. Yeah. just How much Iowa State struggled that year. Now they came on late in the season. They played a whole lot better. But to beat Patrick Mahomes. I know. and the way that they did it. 66-10. Yes. Need to put a at least a plaque up for that, don't they? Somewhere in you Jack. You know Trice. what? That's not a bad idea,
0: Trent. <laughs> Honest to God, I mean, this is this guy is well. We don't have to remind anybody what he's doing as of late. Uh, I think I'm with you. I think this is a um, closer than the point spread indicates. You know, last
2: season, uh, what is it? Thirteen and a half, twelve and a half, twelve, twelve and a half is yeah. what I've seen today. Um, Ask that basketball question. I really like Max McClung, who uh-huh. transfers in from Georgetown. He's right. This is a loaded team. We talked so much about the Big Ten and how loaded it was a season ago. Big 12 has a chance for that this season. Baylor is everybody's Mm -hmm. preseason top five Mm -hmm. team. Kansas is Kansas. They're going to be there. Of course, we have this Texas Tech team. I think Texas, yes, I'm going to believe the hype with Texas coming into the season. I really like West Virginia. I know they struggled late, as did Texas Tech, but they return a ton for Huggy Bear's squad. This is going to be a very top-heavy Big 12 this year, and for an Iowa State team trying to Make improvements... It is going to be tough, tough sledding in the Big Twelve this year. Uh and we get Texas
0: Tech Kansas in the that's one of the December games. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Yes, pretty sure about that. Anyways, uh 25 minutes after the hour of eleven o'clock, we will take our time out. John Bowen Camp has been uh listening into the Zoom calls with the offense and the defense, the coaches today. John Bowen Camp now writing for HawkeyeNation.com. He'll join us next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KX and
1: this ain't your daddy's sports station. Well, well, it probably is, but you get the point. 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM. This is Des Moines Sports Station. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460, KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO.
0: 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM Not a half hour to go here John Camp momentarily Pick Trent's brain if he's got anything he likes In the sports wagering world here today Oh, I always got picks I'm sure you do Today will be no different uh, John Camp joins us Writing for HawkeyeNation.com Which was uh, good to see John, Trent, and Ken huh? Thanks for coming on, John Camp, How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing well. So tell us about Hawkeye Nation. Will we be seeing more of you at HawkeyeNation.com? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just kind of a part. I mean, it's, it's three or four stories a week, and, um, you know, I'll be at games and, and uh, doing the press conferences. I'm in Iowa City right now because we got coaches beginning at 1230. Uh, I'm actually at the top of the parking ramp next to Kinnick, so I can see Kinnick nice. out my car window here. So, you know, it feels like football you know, so, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad they, they asked me to be a part of this. And, uh, so I'm still around, still doing things. So
2: love to see that. Love to hear that, John. And, uh, certainly excited to talk both Hawkeye and football, basketball and basketball and football, excuse me, going with you all forward here. Let's get into the football. What we've heard the last couple of days, I saw your picture up on one of those zoom interviews as you were talking with (laughs) both the offense and the defense and, uh, let's start with uh, what we heard from first and that was the offensive side of the football certainly a lot of love for Spencer Petris no surprise you don't expect any teammates to throw him under the bus or anything like that but he also got to hear from Petris for the first time your takeaway yeah. talking to the new quarterback
1: really I mean I mean really really uh you can tell he's got a great personality um you can tell listening to the other players how much he really has kind of taken command of this offense and that's good to see i mean you're 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 taking over for a three-year starter who had a lot of success and played really well and 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 led that offense and a lot of those guys are back and now they've got to deal with him and and the, the fact that he's been able to step in and and take over and 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 gain the respect of his teammates and and that sort of thing it's 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 good to see because i mean let's let's be honest he he didn't have a spring practice and he didn't have, you know, his, the summer workouts were a little different than, than maybe what they're used to. And then you get into this, you know, you start fall workouts and they stop. And I mean, he hasn't had a normal transition into this job. And so for, for him to get through that and have the command. Of, of, the offense and, and, and have the respect of his teammates. That's a really good sign,
0: I think. Uh, the offense, the receiver position so deep, but we're hearing some, maybe some new names that might make an impact. Has there been a name on offense, regardless of position, that maybe not first on the depth chart, second on the depth chart, but you found, you've heard, you've heard that name a couple of times as you think back into, uh, the offense in their, uh, virtual media days. Is there one name that stands out, John? Well, they were talking about the Jones
1: kid, the transfer kid. I keep calling them kids; they're adults. Yeah, (laughs) but the the the, the player from Buffalo, uh, Charlie Jones, who transferred wide receiver, adds a little depth in that room and adds experience. Not that this wasn't this wasn't an experienced room to begin with, but now you have you have five really talented receivers in there right now, and you know, so so to hear those to hear his name come up makes me think that, that this is this is a team that might be able to do a little bit more and has a lot of depth at a key position for them. I mean, I, I, I think that you're going to see – I think Spencer Petras is going to throw the ball this year. I don't think this is going to be – I don't think he's going to ease into this job. I think they're going to expect him to, to do some of the same things Nate Stanley did. And when you've got those kind of weapons, you know. But, but again, you, you heard kind of the same names. I mean, everybody, you know, you can talk about that tight end spot. I think this is going to be a big year for Sam. We'll forward it to it. I think they, his name came up a little bit. So, I, I mean, I think you're, see, you're going to see a very – I think it's probably more experienced offense than maybe what we think. but but And I think it's going to be a really good one. But I think there's also some depth
2: there. John Bonekamp joining us. And, uh, you know, the the cash position, it's a part of Iowa's identity now defensively. It's what they're going to be. Yeah, there are going to be times they'll go back to the 4-3, but for the most part it's going to be that 4-2-5 look. Dane Belton was so good in that role, but there's also an opening at the safety position. Versatility, a question mark. A lot of different moving pieces in the defensive backfield. And with the cash position, how do you anticipate it's going to play out?
1: You know, that was, and I wrote about the linebackers today, and you think mm-hmm. about, you think about all the great linebackers they've had when they've played the 4-3. And so now you're going to a 4-2-5 where you have that kind of hybrid safety slash, you know, linebacker sort of deal, and, and Dane Belton, I think, is is going to be really good in that, in that position. But I think there's, there's a lot of, and again, they talked about this yesterday, there's a lot of moving pieces with the linebackers. They're going to get, different guys out there at different times, depending on the situation, you're going to see that in the secondary too, because I think there's a lot of question marks back there with some of the, the more experienced players they lost last year. It's going to be, I mean, I, I think
3: they
1: they've, they've been, they've done well doing that on the defensive line here in the last few years of rotating guys in and out. I think you're going to see that especially early in the year just because of going back to what I said earlier. You didn't have a spring practice. You, your summer workouts were different. You started fall and it, you know, it, it's been an unusual transition for these guys. So I think really early on, you're, especially early on, you're going to start seeing a lot of different guys out there in different spots. But I think probably by the end of November, I think those positions kind of settle in.
0: So so, John, as you think back to yesterday, was linebacker maybe brought up more than that? Seems to me that's a that's a focal point of this defense, right? Trying to get some clarity whether it's going to be sure. Campbell in the middle. I mean, Dylan Doyle. I've watched him. You know, in his Baylor uniform, we know as you pointed out in your column today, Colbert's uh, he's opting out this year. It seems there's a lot of emphasis and a lot of focus on linebacker. That's the concern defensively. I, I
1: think so, just because of—I mean, because I mean—I think they they really thought that Jimon Colbert was going to be an anchor of this defense, and I mean he had really, he had a really good season last year. He opted out, which is fine. I I totally get it. You know, and and all the players said that, too. They understand it. But then you you lose him, you lose Dylan Doyle, who was going to be a big part of this defense this year, I think, from the way he kind of developed last year. And now all of a sudden you're trying to find some different names. And, again, yesterday, you know, when I was going through that the linebacker list, I mean, there, there are a lot of guys on there that haven't played a lot, if at all, and, and so that's why you may see this 4 2 an awful lot more this year just because of, of what has happened at linebacker and some of the transition there. So, yeah, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a concern right now. Maybe it wasn't a concern, you know, a few weeks, you know, a few months ago, but now it is kind of a concern, I think.
2: Depth chart is out. The, uh... They have just sent out what right the... now the media guide for 2020. Wow. So uh, flip on to page 43, and uh, we'll get our first look at the depth chart. In fact, I just tweeted it out so people can take a look for themselves at the depth chart. One of the positions that isn't used as often, back to the offensive side, is a fullback position. It, it's not something where they use it 50 60% of the time like in the past, but it's still a part of Iowa's identity. A couple of new names there. Anything at all to report on that front?
1: No, in fact, I mean, it really didn't come up in conversation the other day, but that's a really good running back group. And and so you start to wonder if maybe they're going to try to figure out a way to use those three guys, and then we're talking Tyler Goods and Makai Sargent and Ivory Kelly Martin. And you, you talk about maybe where there's there's a double backfield, but you're using those two guys, maybe Makai Sargent and, and Tyler Goods. So, you know, again, the fullback really didn't come up the other day, but I do think they're going to try to find ways to keep that identity, but at the same time, they've got a lot of talent in that running back room right now, and I think they're going to try to figure out a way to get those guys on the field at the same time.
0: Well, as the uh, president of the Iowa chapter of the Los Angeles Dodger fan club, have to yeah. pick your brain, I, look, and I get the latest is always the greatest, John, but that, that game, the Padres and the Dodgers last night felt to me like the best game we've seen in the postseason so far, right? Had a little bit of everything, yeah. an incredible defensive play, some bombs going out, some chirping back and forth. I, I thought it was terrific.
1: Oh, it was. I mean, and, and and again, October mornings are better when when the Dodgers <laughs> win. Um, but I mean, but I mean, you you saw last night that that these are two teams. A, they don't like each other, and I mean, and that was evident during the regular season. I think there was a lot of stuff that went on, um, you know. And and last night it came came out. I don't know if, if you guys noticed even before all the stuff happened with Machado and Brewster, Gratterall. There was there was a play. There was a drive to deep center field and. Trent Grisham caught it right in front of the Dodger bullpen and kind of flipped. He, I, I was shocked there, he did
0: that. I really was. And,
1: and it was and, and and I think that again. I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on that I yeah. don't think gets caught on TV. And I saw that and I thought, nah, here we go.
0: In the same way. And
1: and and so so I mean again I I think the Dodgers. I mean this is going to be the rivalry for a while. And 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 I think right now the Dodgers are, are I mean just right now the better team. And and I think that's why. And I, I mean, I I jokingly refer to the Padres as little brother. You know, big brother, little brother, and they, big brother's got to smack him down once in a while. So um, you know, but I think this could be a really good rivalry. And I think these are teams that just don't like each other. And is you know, the Giants aren't much of a rival anymore. That you need a rival at some point, and I think that's what you got here. And I like I said, I just don't think these teams like each other that much.
2: Finish it off tonight: sweep or uh, the Padres going to get one. No,
1: I think they finish it off tonight. I mean, and and I mean it's I mean you you want to finish it off tonight. I know you can you can say well we got a two game the edge, you know, we can kind of do some things pitching wise and, and and that burned them last year against the Nationals. And and it ended up caught, you know, sending the game 5 and you ended up losing because they kind of gave up on game 4. I I don't think you do that. I think you finish it off tonight.
0: Nice to get Bellinger going, huh?
1: Yeah, and I mean I mean he he had a really he struggled the regular season, but played well in those last couple of weeks. And I mean, you know, he's hitting above 300 in the postseason, which is, I mean, this is his best October of the three, you know, three or four he's had. So I mean, I I think that, you know, I think that that's a key for them if he gets going. Because I mean, there's some other guys struggling. I mean, Justin Turner's come up with some clutch plays, but he also hasn't, you know, hit the ball well. Max Muncie's not hitting the ball well, so it's good to see him hitting.
0: Good stuff, John Camp. Great to read you at hawkeynation.com. Look forward to doing that three, four, five times a week, whatever it turns Thank out to you. be. Good to talk to you, John. Thank you. All right, good to talk to you guys. Yep. See you later. So long, John dot com. So, do you have the depth chart in front of me? I just. I do. Um, you're, you're Just real quick, right yeah. off the bat, just looking at it as we're trying to talk on the flyer. Mm-hmm. Kronk's not going to start at right tackle? Not listed. Looks like he was beat up by
2: Mark Kallenberger. Well, uh, I would I mean, say I mean, I get that. their depth charts. Yes, this this is depth chart. This is a guy that is still going through practice for the first time. I would anticipate that Kronk will be a starter. We saw how well, though, Kallenberger. You know, a lot of people thought it was just going to be, all right, Kronk comes in as a grad transfer from Indiana. He's just going to take over the tackle uh-huh. spot. I did. Of Wurfs. Remember, he played inside an Indian uh-huh. a little bit. And how well Callenberger played last year in the victory against USC, a tackle. Maybe his best game in a Hawkeye uniform. Maybe it more makes more sense. Kronk's not going to be more than likely a tackle at the next level. He's probably going to be a guard. Mm-hmm. You shift him inside. But they have so much depth on that offensive just line. It. There are so many guys there. Callenberger's going to start at some spot. He'll be a starter, either at right tackle or one of the inside guard spots. So what would the what would be the guard spot that's kind of is? I would say Ince. Yeah. yeah, left guard. Yeah. And how about a new name here? Luke Empen listed as the backup at that left guard position. You have uh, Kyler Schott, shooter listed as the starter at the right guard position, and we're not seeing Banwart listed in uh-huh. this depth chart. If he's healthy, this guy has started 15 uh-huh. games in his career, and he's not even listed in the depth chart. That shows you about the depth, but also Macy also question: Where is he health wise? He's battled so many injuries. Uh, Dane Belton's going to have a role in this, a big role in this football team, no doubt. He is listed as the starter both at the strong safety position and at the cash position. So, what do you do there if Belton is playing a lot of cash or is basically full time, if you will, at the cash position? Does that mean that Merriweather? Stays at free safety, and he moved Kerner over to strong. I think you have to does have... Does Merriweather f- go to strong? And I you keep think Kerner- you
0: want both of those guys on the field if Belton's playing cash. I think so, too.
2: Yeah. Those are the two guys. I thought Castro, he popped a couple of times on special teams. See, I don't
0: remember him. I, I don't remember him, trying. Special teams guy, okay. though.
2: Yeah, um, That was something that, that jumped off, is seeing that. What does that mean for Merriweather? Again, he had the injury. He was the starter mm-hmm. game one last year before he was injured. And another one on the defense. Jack Campbell is the starter at middle linebacker. You know how much buzz we've heard about Jack Campbell? It's... I remember coming back two years ago, that Cedar Falls Dowling Catholic Championship game. And I told you, eh, there was offensive players that people were talking about. There's a kid that ended up playing both football and basketball, you and I, that had an Iowa offer. And a lot of people were talking about him. I said Jack Campbell was as good as a defender I'd seen since Pat Anger in the state championship game. He played at that high of a level. He is now your starter at middle linebacker
0: wonder if he would have beat out Doyle.
2: Would have been close. People say a lot more upside in terms of athleticism. Mm-hmm. Doyle, well, look who his dad is. No, I get it. It's kind yeah. of tapped out in terms right. of uh, look, I, what uh, more he can improve upon. Trent, honestly, I thought his, not his lack
0: of foot speed, that's unfair, but that was noticeable when I watched the Baylor game last. The Baylor game is recently mm-hmm. his last weekend. Um, or the week, whatever it was. Anyways, uh, we'll take a time out, come back, finish things up. We've got the Bears and the Buccaneers tonight. Get Trent's opinion on that. Is there one baseball game he likes more than the others? Uh, as we finish things up, it's Miller and Condon. Just about, oh, just past quarter before the hour of noon here, eleven forty-five on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and one 10- zero. Get hope Hopelawfirm.com. dot com.
2: Pretty good band, huh? Yeah. Been listening a lot here the last couple of years.
3: Have
2: days. you? Yeah, I, I thought it was a weird weird period for me. It was before. You. They grew on me. Yes. You probably same. You were a 70s guy. Yep. So these these new rockers come in. Eh, we'll see. You got David Lane Roth doing his thing out there. That's my first memories of Van Halen. And when you're six, seven, eight, it's hard to wrap my mind exactly around everything that was going on there. It was a.
0: Wild, wild time. Indeed it was, and uh, grateful to have lived through it. Anyways, Trent Condon, our final couple of minutes here, Miller and Condon on 1460 KX and 106.3 FM. Uh, Bears, Buccaneers tonight, the numbers? is still 3.5? It
2: is still 3.5. I just looked at DraftKings before we came out of break, and something's fishy with this thing. It seems too easy. Mm-hmm. What are we missing? I don't get it. I don't either. Because of that, you know I like to feed the public, if I had to make a bet... You're going to take the Bears? I, and the reason that I actually haven't fired at it, because if this was two other teams, exact same circumstances... You'd be all over it, but right, it's your team. But it's my team. Yep. And that's what makes it a little bit more difficult. i got a pick in baseball that I really like. It's the game that starts just over an hour. Marlins-Braves. Cal Wright, much better this year, certainly, than he was a year ago for the Mm -hmm. Braves. He had an ERA approaching nine uh, during his first campaign. Sixto Sanchez. Sixto Sanchez, who's really, really talented. You lay one and a half with the Marlins. They got a win by two. You get plus 235. Take a stab, Trent. I'm taking a stab at this one. This one feels like a fun one. Something to keep an eye on throughout the afternoon. And with 6-0 on your side, mm-hmm. hey, how can you go wrong,
0: right? Yeah, it feels like Tampa has to win tonight because yeah. Garrett Cole goes for the Yanks tomorrow. So uh, we, we'll see how that one turns out. Uh, as far as the NFL game tonight, I just don't see how the Bears, I just can't make a case. I can make a case for Trubisky getting in the football game. Short week. Old guy quarterback with can't Tom Brady. Run. I mean, he can run a little bit, but certainly not Trubisky, Not the threat Trubisky oh, you is. you the- yeah, I'm sorry, right. Fools yeah. is. Um
2: I was talking about Brady. Brady Ch- he trying to make either. a case against no. the Buccaneers. Short week, quick turnaround. Maybe he's still feeling things a little bit. I,
0: Their defense is legit. They legit. Are.
2: Bears gonna win this, it's gonna have to be sixteen thirteen. You know, one of those ugly, hideous type of games. They're not gonna beat this team in a shootout. I don't think they are either. Guards are gonna have to play a whole lot better. James Daniels stunk in the first half of the game. He was really bad after playing so well the first three weeks. So can you just flush this game if you're the Bears? I hope so. They're still 3-0 and going right. into last week. It just it was a bad performance. Maybe they just thought, hey, we'll catch Magic again in the fourth quarter and... It was a flat performance. Uh, two losses in four days after starting the season, 3-0. I think
0: that's where they're headed. Anyways, we're headed out of here. We will make way, at least in a couple of hours, for Murph and Andy, who slide on in at 2. The Fanatics, they'll be here from 4 until 6, as I believe Cyclone Fanatic Radio is on these airwaves tonight. At 6 o'clock, Morning Rush tomorrow. By the way, about 24 hours from now, we'll just be finishing up with our Klaxons giveaway. Very popular giveaway we do each and every Friday, courtesy of our friends Claxons in Altoona. We're Miller and Condit, 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.